Hello and welcome to episode 97 of Virgo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at Andrew RLP. And join me once again is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad, not too bad. That's good. What do you reckon today we should talk about some Rugby League rumours, some uh, play movement rumours, then we'll do some play movement. And then we'll talk about the test match. Okay. All right. Sounds, sounds good. We've done no preparation here. Just off the cuff. <laughs> this is off the cuff. <laughs> we just decided this on the spot right here, right now. Right this second. Aren't we good like that? This is We, we just wing it. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go through some of the rumours because there's some really interesting ones that are happening. There is. And let's go with first come off the rank. Today we had one which has been laughed at. Mm by the player involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daily Cherry Evans, once again linked to a move to the Broncos. He's currently got a long, very lucrative deal with, with Manly. Mm-hmm. Um, when when this story broke, and Cherry Evans is in camp with the Kangaroos, he laughed. Oh, did he laugh. Um, people have t- approached the Broncos and asked them about them. They said, hmm, we haven't spoken to him. Mm. Rugby league journalism. It's great. It's fantastic. I would guess he, I mean, he must have six years, which means he has about six million bucks left on the table there at Manly. Yeah, they're um, not him go. No. <laughs> <laughs> and he would want to be offered a giant amount of money to leave. And he's a good player. He's a very good player. And he's probably oh, yeah. worth more on the open market, but $6 million. And he's shown already he doesn't, like... He had that contract wrapped up with the Titans and he went straight back to Manly. He didn't even get to the Titans. So he's pretty happy there in Manly. So a bit of a nothing one, that one, I thought. Absolutely. Uh, You've got one? We'll take it in turns. Well, I mean, David Fafida is apparently going to the Canterbury Bulldogs and the Sydney Roosters and the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and he's going to stay at the Broncos as well. So he's getting around a lot these days. He is going to be so damn busy next year. I reckon. He's going to, you know what? I reckon he'll play the most games for any player in history in one season if he does that. Well, I think this is probably why we haven't seen the draw release yet, because they're going to have to make sure that those four teams don't clash so Mm. that Fafita can play all four games every week. I don't know what he's going to do when, say, the Broncos play South. It's kind of lucky there's two of them, hey? You know, mm. there's there's the young David Fafita and then there's the uh, Arthur Beats and, and wakey David Fafita. Um, well, I was going to call him the future David Fafita because <laughs> he's older. <laughs> like, I mean, he's a young bloke. He's, I think he's, you know who he reminds me of is a um, little bit of Gordon Tallis and a little bit of a young Nathan Hindmarsh. Probably a bit more athletic than Nathan Hindmarsh. Just a um, real good hard ball runner. Yeah, the the running across field thing though, that's that's a bit different for me. Like it's it's not a bad thing. He mm. does it as he's roving for a gap, and as soon as he finds it, he just smashes through it, kind of Tormalolo like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about him is he can finish it off, which yeah. I really like. Like he gets through that line, and normally we're a second row. I'd, is in trouble. He he is gone. He's going to score a try, which I really love. Great footwork and pretty damn good speed for a big man. 
Mm. Yeah, uh, he's going to be and a teenager. He's still a teenager. It's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. So I think for South, yep. the only way they're going to get him is if they can get Sam Burgess medically retired. And I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah, and I think the Wayne Bennett uh, rule there is probably a little bit of something. Um, I think he'd be a really good pickup for Souths, obviously. I think he'd be a good pickup for anyone. Um, he's gonna he's gonna cost a mean a year. We all know yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's not just because of how good he is, but there's going to be a lot of teams fighting for him. That price is going to get pushed up pretty quickly. How many years would you give him as a contract? Five. Would you really? Wow. I see if that much potential early on. Yeah. Knowing that he can only get better. Mm-hmm. And at 19, there's a fair chance too that he could actually get a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, I'd have no issue getting him a five year contract. Yeah, see, I would probably give him four. And I know it sounds like nitpicking, it's only one year less. But I don't know. I, I think that. With a player like him, I worry that if he does get bigger, it'll hurt his explosiveness. And sometimes you see young athletic back rowers, they lose that athleticism and that explosiveness really quickly earlier on in their career. And they're fine players after that, but they're more workhorses. Um, and that would worry me a little bit. Like I would give a safe Payne Haas. I'd give him five years easy. I'd probably give him six just because he's a giant anyway. Yeah. I feel as though Fafid is probably a slight step back from Haas in terms of long-term prospects. I don't know. I think if he he does get a bit bigger, Mm -hmm. he's going to be a damn good prop. Yeah, that's true. He would be a very good prop. More mobile than most props out there. That's true. That's very true. And he's already an Australian player, so... And you've got to realise that I support a team that's giving um, Moses and by a million dollars a year, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to lead to one of our better rumours soon down the track. Uh, um, yeah. I'm looking another the player. Again. Another mm. player on the list. Mm. Joey Manu. The yeah, Canterbury this Bulldogs. This one sort of come up today. You know, it was it sort of come out that Manu was going to start commanding quite a bit more money. Mm-hmm. Understandably, too. Yeah, worth it. He is a freak. Mm. Um, and this this talk that he may need a pay increase, which is going to be put a lot of pressure on the rooster salary cap somehow. Yeah, it must. Have, it's got a lid. We found out. That's what. It's yeah. fantastic. There are limits. There are limits. <laughs> um, it's meant that there's been talk that Latrell Mitchell might also have to leave the Roosters. And the Roosters are in a situation where they have to pick, apparently, one of these two centres. Who would you pick to keep? If I was the Roosters? Yep. Manu. I feel as though I would lean towards Manu as well. I like the fact that he can play fullback. Mm-hmm. And fullback... In, in a manner where it's not that big stepper down from Tedesco, which yep. would be big for when you've got Tess and Origin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Latrell, the, the kid's just full of X Factor, but he just has those moments at times where he just he can be kept quiet. He, he's also, not, he doesn't have a high work rate, but he is a damn good finisher. 100%. The thing that worries me about him is there's drama. 
and you know i i always when it comes to drama run like run for the hills is is what i do and so i think that manu's just hasn't got that drama that's true um i'll tell you what though and again talking as a west tigers fan here mm-hmm. i would be happy if the tigers decided to sign latron mitchell if it meant they got rid of Moses and by or Russell Packer or, you know, any one of those four or five players that have got sitting in Reggie's on six or $700,000 a year or more. Well, that be takes an upgrade us, on any of that. That <laughs> takes us to the next one on the list. Matt Moylan to the West Tigers. Fuck. <laughs> Let's go for a little walk, shall we, back in time. <laughs> There was a time when Warren McDonnell was the recruitment man at the West Tigers. Yes. And I believe he was there when the decision was made to let um, seasoned professional Bryce Gibbs, just an absolute workhorse, you you know, what you need in every pack. Yeah. And this young rookie by the name of Andrew Fafita leave the club so that he could get Adam Blair. Mm -hmm. We all know how that worked out. Yes, we do. That that man then went and became a uh, recruitment person at the Bulldogs and at Manly. And we know how their rosters worked out. Yeah. And the Tigers brought him back. And already their best second row for the year, and possibly the best second row they've had in several years, Ryan Madison, mm-hmm. is, is wanting out of the club after one season. Yeah. And the club is looking at Matt Moylan. Oh, and also <sighs> the club, there was a bunch of players that the club was linked to that would have been good additions, and they got none of them. Yeah, with Tenny Zelezniak, the key one there. Oh, would have been so perfect for them. They got Mbai instead. I'm not I'm not hating on, on Mbai. I'm not saying he's absolute crap. I'm just saying that he is massively overpaid. Yep but not as massively overpaid as Matt Moylan is. I mean, Matt Moylan's on reportedly 800 grand a year. Yeah, and like last year was basically, and I would say the year before was a non-factor for the Sharks. And when he was at the Panthers, which was his last good season, had a pretty good year, was a little bit up and down, and then didn't play in the finals because he didn't feel like it. Yeah. And I've I've seen people say that he's a class player, and I just I can't agree with that. I can't see how a player whose form can go up and down like a bloody seesaw, mm-hmm. and isn't fit, and yeah, has those has had those immaturity in the past. I can't see you can call that a class player. Yeah, let alone let alone paying him in excess of more than three hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, it just he doesn't play enough. Just no. that alone is, I I don't get it. And I mean, you and me were talking about it earlier this year when he did come back. They they were a worse team with him on the field, the Sharks. And the idea that the West Tigers would look at Matt Moylan and think that he is fixing any problem that they have is just incredible. I will say this, okay. Mm-hmm. Corey Thompson is a better fullback option than mm-hmm. Matt Moylan is. And I know that Matt Moylan brings a lot of um, 
attacking prowess more so yep. than Corey Thompson does. So the ball skills of Matt Moreland are far superior to Corey Thompson. Yeah. But Corey Thompson gives you kick returns. Yep. And the same consistent performance every week. And that is reliable. Yeah. And like, and you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Corey Thompson, right? But he plays in all their games. Yeah. Like, I'll take that over somebody that, give me somebody that's average for, you know, 26 weeks of the season over somebody that's really good for four weeks of the season and the rest of the season, you don't know if he's even going to be there. Yeah. And I'd say, I give Corey Thompson like every week, I just put him in, you'd start off at 6.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. That's going to be his mark for the game. Some yeah. games he'll go a few better. Some yeah. games he might go half a point to one point less. He'll never give you less than five out of ten. But the yeah. effort's always there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Moylan, he's, you, can't be, you can't be comfortable that the effort's always going to be there. He just goes missing in games. Yeah, and he can lose you a game as well. Yeah. So um, don't know why the Tigers are looking at that at all. There's all these players off contract. All of this talk of players changing clubs, and the West Tigers are linked with Matt Moylan. Yeah, I don't know why they feel like they've got to go for because they want to lock the ninth place. <laughs> but they've already got ninth place. Maybe they're worried well, their league's going to get better next year. Got or worse. You've got to make sure you hang on to what you got. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So the next one, and this was reported by Fox Sports, the Turbo Twins. <laughs> Tell you what. They're going to the Bulldogs, apparently. J- Jake and Tom Trebojevic's mother, mm. um, absolute iron woman. Yep. Let's make it clear, because if those boys are twins, she's been in labor for two years, and that is amazing. It's a fair effort. That's insane. Like, yeah. she she should be sainted. She should be, yeah. I agree. That's, ins- that's insane. It was, uh, I guess it was easier than, uh, you know, writing down their last names and having to get around the, um, what's called, the spell check. But, yeah, to the, to the uh, Bulldogs, look, man, I don't know. I mean, the Bulldogs do like getting brothers and things like that to the club. Um it would be they'd have to whack a lot of money on these two. I think I would want Jake. I wouldn't want Tom as good as he is. He's too injury prone. Way, way too injury prone. Um, I don't even think this is a a, a group signing mm. that that the Bulldogs need to make. If you've got if you've got Dalimatini Zelezniak, why do you need Tom Trebojevic? Yeah, it's a good point. But where are you putting DWZ? You'd have to put him on the wing. I don't think he's a centre at the moment. Um, he's a winger or a fullback. Uh, and, yeah, I, like, I wonder if you'd be able to break them up. I reckon, I mean, Jake's going to get a whack. I think but, I think Jake, Jake would be fine if he went elsewhere. Yeah. Tom may struggle a bit because he, he does run a lot off Jake. You know what? I just, I really do like Tom. He's such a great player when he's not yeah. injured. But he is, injuries, he is he is the definition of a class player. Really is. 
Really, really is. But I, and I go back to the thing of give me a solid fullback that's there for the whole season rather than somebody that you get in three absolute superstar games out of because you just can't rely on it. Yeah, and with Tom, it's, it is just the injury thing. Um, I think if he had, if he has like one full season next year, and mm-hmm. it looks like you know he has one of those seasons like Benji Marshall did, where he just has that one full season with no injuries. Yeah, and it's almost like the body's just started to harden up a bit and gets mm-hmm. used to that week in week out stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he has several seasons in a row of twenty odd plus games every year. Um, he will be remembered as one of the best fullbacks Manly's ever had. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, and I hope that happens. He is a slight player. So yeah. maybe it, it is just that. Hopefully it is just that. And look, his brother is the complete opposite. Like, you know, he's always he's always fine to play. It doesn't matter what, what's going on. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is just a case of him just, you know, growing into being a first-grade footballer. Jake is a, Jake is a magnificent footballer. Mm. Love it. Love his work. Yeah, same here. Um, now, the next one, and this is a another double-barrel one, Sonny Williams has been linked to the Catalan Dragons and the Toronto Wolfpack. Um, I've had to think about this. Okay. I don't think either club should sign him. I don't think any rugby league club mm. in Super League or the NRL should sign Sonny Bill Williams. And the reason he... being... He's, what, yeah. 37 going on 38 years old? I thought he was 34 or 35. Let me look it up. I thought yes. he was a bit old, isn't it? Yeah, I thought he was, I mean, how old is he? Yes, 34. He turned 34 in, on the 3rd of wow. August. Even still. He's, he, to me, that that's getting a bit long in the tooth to be coming back to rugby league up, having been out of it for a few years. See, I, I think he'd be good for the Catalan Dragons because they'd be able to market him in France. Uh, I don't know that the the Wolf Pack would get the same marketing out of him, and I don't know that they would get the football side out of him that they would have to pay a lot of money for. I think that if, considering the money he would probably go there for... Um, and that's another big issue there. It will, he yeah. He will not be cheap. No, I th- I have a feeling Super League has some sort of marquee player uh, system in place. They, so. they do, yes. But at the same time, I I think that there's better players that you could buy than Sonny Bill Williams for that money. Yeah, I I think Sonny Bill should stick with Rugby Union, and I'm not saying yeah. that in a in a in a disparaging manner. Anyway, I just think he's at the age now where it is going to be easier for him. Mm-hmm. to stay in the code he's playing than to be mm-hmm. switching codes again. I know he's played rugby league before, but he's, what, five years older than the last time he played? 2014 was the last time he played in the NRL. Yeah, yeah. And and when you're in your 30s, that's that's quite a long time. The only thing is, and look, I don't, I really don't know what Sonny Williams is thinking or doing or whatever. I don't really care when he's not playing rugby league. But if he does want to come back to rugby league, just say he says, "Look, I've done my reunion thing. I'm, I'm old. I'm not going to get in the next rugby union World Cup." Um, and he decides he's going to finish his career in rugby league. I think that if he was going to be in the NRL, he'd have to take a pay cut. And if he was going over to Super League, as I said, I think he'd be good for the 
the dragon uh the yeah the dragons but the wolf pack i think that they should probably look elsewhere yeah maybe he'd work out at huddersfield do you reckon he'd want to live in huddersfield (laughs) does anyone (laughs) (laughs) that is a good question Mm. um moving on yes oh we forgot uh uh, Vunavalu going well, to rugby union. We haven't forgotten it. We just haven't got there yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Well, Suliasu Vunavalu is being chased by rugby union. Mm-hmm. In uh, Australia. Yeah. The the Wallabies seem keen to, to pick him up. The mustard disgrace. They need something going good for them in the headlines. And um, the coach just stepped down. And they didn't play well, and you know all of their players are seem like they're retiring and going back to the countries they originally come from. I guess as but, a uh, as a very infrequent watcher of rugby union. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the problem rugby union Australia has yes is they too often like we're talking seriously here too often they go looking for a quick fix to a problem that they have been ignoring for too long. And that is, they're not paying enough attention to their grassroots. But I mean, if they, if they go out and chase Tuliasi Ivanovali, like they did with what, Corabidi mm-hmm. and just bam, pick them up, give them a, give them a couple of games in super rugby and then parachute them straight into the Wallaby side. Yep. What's that doing for, for all the young guys who have been playing the game for their, you know, all through their childhood and they've been playing it in their adult years. They sit there and go, what, some bloke from the NRL just comes along and just takes takes a spot ahead of me. They're doing they good, just but, jump the queue. But that's fantastic for those players because they're all going and playing rugby league in the junior grades already. That's what the problem with rugby union in Australia is. Like, all of their good juniors are rugby league players and, and are playing for rugby league clubs in the lower grades. And, you know, there's heaps of them. And when I say heaps of them, it's it's a natural progression for a lot of players. And the funny thing is, too, people will say, oh, this player was a, he's a former rugby union junior. Yeah, he was also good at shot put and long jump and high jump and sprinting and long distance. Like, these are the best athletes in Australia. They're good at everything. They're playing everything, playing basketball, you know. So I, I think that they just, financially, they can't compete. We're going to actually do a big episode on this coming up. We might do that next week. Um, or on the weekend, we'll see how we we're travelling. But I got a, I got an interesting topic on it, and we won't yes. ruin it. Yes, you do. Mm. That will be very interesting. Mm. Um, another another player from a different code mm-hmm. looking to come back. Valentine Holmes has been oh, linked yes. to the Cowboys on a million dollar deal. Yeah, and I mean. We've heard everything from it's a done deal. Valentine Holmes has denied it on Instagram. Um, I don't know what to really expect. I I kind of think that it'll be a cowboy at the start of the NRL season. Um, I think think the Cowboys have shifted a fair bit of um, stock. Mm-hmm. And freed up quite a fair bit of cash in the last season and a half, yeah. two seasons. Um, I don't think that they're 
they're going to be a situation where they're going to be short of cash. I think they can pretty much, they'll go close to being able to outbid nearly any other team at this rate. Yeah, and it seems like he's always wanted to go back there or mm. he's had some sort of understanding from the club that, like, the, he's been linked there for so long now. And it hasn't been that long, but, like, it's always been the Cowboys. It's never been anyone else. There was a few rumours about him. he might go to the Broncos, but it seems like the the Cowboys have been locked in if he was going to come back to rugby league, and he'll be a great addition for them. Absolutely. Um, it would also mean that Scott Drinkwater, who's a genuine half, will move into the halves with Michael Morgan, and straight away their spine is looking very strong. Mm. And that was a problem with the Cowboys all year this year, is the fact that their spine was just like the Warriors' spine, just constantly changing almost every week or every second week. Um, so yeah. this would this would give him a fair bit of stability there. And more, I mean Morgan is normally the stable one in their spine, and he was in and out of the t- uh, the team, especially with the uh, concussion towards the end of the year too. So yeah, I mean that that'll be a step in the right direction from them. Be interesting to see how Valentine Holmes comes back in terms of his conditioning and the way that he will need to change his body coming back to the game. So. Um, we'll see how that goes. The interesting thing, okay, I'm just looking at his profile um, mm. at the New York Jets. Yep. And it says that he's currently weighing at 200 pounds, which is 90, 91 kilos off the top of my head. Okay. That doesn't sound like it's that different to what he was playing for the Sharks. Like it might be one or two kilos heavier. I yeah, thought well, he might have put on a bit more weight, but that's pretty much telling you that his weight hasn't changed that much. I wonder when they took that measurement, though. Because I would oh, guess that question. now he's heavier. Because I would, I would think that they would take that measurement when he joined the club officially. Okay, it says uh, on here, uh, experience, first season. Would that suggest this last year, or is it? I, I think it would be, when would they, when did he sign up for the Jets? I think he only signed up for the Jets in, like, June or July or something like that um, as a squad member. So, I mean, I don't know. He, he might oh, be no, so, that, so, so, that so now, he, game log. That's, that's his game log from 2019. Okay. Yeah, yeah, early this year, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's pretty much this year then. Yeah. I just wonder go. if he's added more muscle um, over the last few months. And look, if it's only a few months worth, he, he can drop that pretty quickly. Like, I think Jared Hayne had to do more to his body. Yeah, yeah. Hayne, um, Hayne went over there heavier than, than Holmes did and put on quite a bit more mass. Mm. Holmes has always been fairly slender. Um, mm. He looks like, more than anything, his shoulders and his arms have got a fair bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But I don't... It doesn't look like his legs have got that much. And so I don't know... That's the thing is... Holmes has got that surprising speed. Yeah. And I don't think they would have bulked him up too much to risk losing that speed over there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that his body's going to be that much out of whack. I think the thing he's going to need to learn is, or sort of unlearn the NFL stuff and get back into the rugby league stuff. I don't know how long that would take. See, I don't think that would take long at all. I think that would be... I mean, it, it's what he knows already. I think he'd still be trying to fight some of his rugby league instincts um, 
and he's done a great job. I saw, I think it was Andrew Johns was saying that um, him and Jared Hain failed in their trips over to the NFL. And I mean, Jared Hain did anything but fail. Jared Hain was a fantastic success and was unfortunate. He was in a bad situation at the, the club that, you know, they were looking like they were going to have a big season going in and Jared Hain was going to be a nice little bonus that they could play with and their season turned to shit and all of a sudden the coach can't play with a player like Jared Hain anymore. Um, and Holmes, like, you know, in the position that he's trying to go into over there, very, very different to Hain and he's done great just to get on the practice squad. So um, they're far from being failures. Yeah, I don't think they've been failures at all. <clears throat> Um, they did a lot better in the NFL than Andrew Johns did. Yes, they did. They uh, <laughs> sometimes you think stuff and you think, "Shut up." <laughs> yeah, I got a filter. See, you have got a filter. It's mm. it's it's getting better every week. It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, what is it? Oh, the Ryan Madison saga. Yeah, it's a weird one. So, Madison was a bench player at the Roosters in 2018. The Tigers signed him on, you know, the reports are 300 grand a year, which is much more than he was on at the Roosters. Yeah. And he was, let's not beat around the bush, he was fucking fantastic this year at the Tigers. I mean, he got promoted to 18th man for the origin side. Mm -hmm. You don't do that by having a crap year. He was an absolute standout. And then at the end of the season... We hear all this talk about how he was it went from he was unhappy with a coach, a coach who pushed for him to get put put into the New South Wales side. So I don't know what he could be unhappy about there. Mm. Um, that he was, I think the other one was he was unhappy with his pay and he wanted more pay. And I saw there was an article today that came out saying that that wasn't even a motivating factor either. So what the well, hell's I, going on? I heard on the radio and I think it was Triple M. And, it, man, this must have been a good month and a half ago, maybe a little bit less, that uh, he, he he told um, some journos that he was feeling super tired and that he felt he was being overworked in training and he didn't like that about Maguire. Now, the balancing thing to, for that is you've had the best season of your career by a long way. You know, yeah. and maybe you're not overtraining. Maybe this is what you've got to be doing with yourself. And one of the things about coaches, and I've said this before, and we've talked about it before, they're not your friends. They're not there to be buddy-buddy with you and hope that you have a good time and stuff. They're there to get the best out of you. Sometimes they're going to tell you to do stuff that you don't think is the best thing for you. But if it ends up when you're having your best season, maybe you should shut up and listen to them. And they were saying on the radio, and I think it was Triple M, um, that basically he said that he didn't want to be at the club anymore and he turned up at Mad Monday and the Tigers players were like, what are you doing here, dude? And yeah. he didn't turn up to training a few days later and basically that was it. He kind of got the message from the, the players. Now, that's just what was said on the radio. You know, you never know if it's true or not, but it's it's a weird situation all around and I think that... um. I can understand the young man having his best season and feeling like he's going to be underpaid going forward. But, you know, I mean, what's your reputation worth? Well, it's more the case, you know, you sign that deal and 
if you thought you were worth more, then maybe you need to get a better manager. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you signed that deal. You know, there's a fair chance Madison signed that deal thinking this is more money that I thought I'd get. Yeah. And he would have started the year going, yeah, I'm a superstar. I've gone from, you know, 150 grand a year, whatever it was, to double. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, this is great. Mm. And has a great season. And whether the talk about wanting more money is true or not, because there's reports both ways, um, either way, the way he and his manager have handled this is not going to help increase his his income. Just on the uh, <clears throat> more money thing, can you think of any situation where something like this has happened and it it seriously hasn't been about more money? I think there's been cases, but I, I can't recall them off the top of my head. It'd be bloody rare. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of is Cooper Cronk, who said that he needed to move to Sydney because his wife had... Uh, job opportunities in Sydney. Yeah, there, there'll be few where people had to relocate. I think Luke Douglas had to leave Cronulla because he wanted close to his family on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's another one. Um, there'd be a few like that. Players who wanted to go back to where you know where they were from, be it a regional area or another state, that sort of thing. That's that's pretty much it. It's very rare though, compared to what you hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Madison going around wanting out of his three-year contract after one season. Yeah. That's going to scare off pretty much every other team out there because they're going to see this and go, well, he either is greedy mm-hmm. or needy mm-hmm. or doesn't like hard work. If it's any one of those three reported stories, mm-hmm. how does that endear him to earning more money at any other club? That's his yeah. problem. They've handled this so atrociously that while he has all the potential in the world, clubs will sign him. He will get signed. But he's not going to get a massive pay increase because of this because clubs are going to be tentative about giving big money because they go, what if he does the same thing to us that he's done to the Tigers? We don't want to be lumbered with having to pay out half his contract elsewhere. Yeah, and it comes back to the thing of drama. Like... I, I feel like you don't import problems. I feel like any time a club imports a problem, it's a problem. <laughs> and, and I feel like it happens way too often. Um, and, yeah, I don't understand why clubs do it. I can understand if you need a final piece of the puzzle or you there's somebody that's you feel as though you can put them in a better situation than they're in. Or if you've got a, a solid team of toilers and you need an X factor in there. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, for the most part, I just, I don't, I think you just don't deal with them. Let them be someone else's problem. Yeah, which seems to be the, the stance the Tigers are taking here. Yeah, it really does, um, doesn't it? It's, it's odd, though, that while they're making one good decision with Madison, they're making a bad one by chasing Moylan. Yeah. I really don't understand the more than Some things never change. <laughs> um, now, while we're still in the Tigers, uh, last year they mm-hmm. were set to sign Zane Musgrove, but mm-hmm. his contract was, was torn up and essentially he was kind of put on hold. Um, 
when he was charged with indecent assault or something like that. Anyway, he's recently been found guilty. So it seems like his chances of playing for the Tigers have pretty much just been absolutely wiped off now. Yeah, and I think I saw in the news that they said they were going to appeal it. Um, he's, so not, say- he's not, and that's the thing. We'll state here too. He's not going to jail. I think he's got a twelve-year good, a twelve-month good behaviour bond and a yep, fine or something like that. Yeah, and um, that yeah, they're going to appeal it. And and once again, this comes back to this is a problem. Let it be someone else's problem. I reckon. Yeah. So I looks like the Tigers have, have severed all ties with him. He's going to have to find someone else to go. So. Mm-hmm. Again, that's another good decision if that's the case there. Um, one that's simmered for a while. Yes. Was Kurt Capewell. Yes. He, he's off contract, and he was linked to Newcastle when Nathan Brown was coach. Mm. And when Nathan Brown decided to leave, the, the Knights went cold on Capewell. Mm. And there was talk that he was he'd had a chat with the West Tigers I don't think there was much in it. I think the Tigers said no. Um, so don't know where he's going now. Another one was Jesse Ramian, from yep. who who left the Sharks, went to Newcastle, and for whatever reason they had a falling out, and he's trying to get back to the Sharks again. Yeah, and, and that was a very weird situation as well, wasn't it? Um, mm. And he he had a like. Pretty full on falling out as well, um, yeah. Like it makes you wonder if some of these younger players are just they're going for the grass is greener scenario, and they're finding out that the grass isn't always greener. Um, yeah. I always think that if you're in a good situation and you're happy and you're in a good environment and you're happy with your team and stuff. If they can't offer you the most amount of money, it might still be worth staying there. And I've I've always said this about Brett Kamali. You know, Brett Kamali had a brilliant situation down there at the Melbourne Storm, and he left, and he never found that same settled, happy, worked-for-him environment ever again in his career. And I think a lot of that came down, too, to um, because he was so good at Melbourne, mm. every time he went to a club, they tried to build a team around him instead of... Mm -hmm building a team with him in mm-hmm. it. Um, yep. And so he was sort of just the general in every team he was in. And it just wasn't the same. Whereas at Melbourne, he had a good squad around him and, and everyone had different roles and it complemented his style really well. Yeah, it did. And, you know, it, I mean, I'm sure Brett Kamali would say, listen, man, I made a few million dollars extra doing that and I'm happy with it now. But for your football career and, and going through it, you know, I'm sure if you said to him, when was your happiest time, he'd say it was definitely at the storm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, speaking of the storm, there had been talk after the uh, final series that Cameron Smith was thinking about retiring. But uh, his teammate, Brandon Smith, has come out saying he's fairly confident that Cameron Smith is going to play on in 2020 mm-hmm. and that he thinks... He thinks the old fox was just uh, just toying with the media to give him something to whinge about or to talk about. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I think that he kind of just got a bit fed up with the bullshit out of the media, which is just how everybody on planet Earth is at the moment with the media. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I get him just tossing out something there because he basically tossed it out and disappeared. 
And so, yeah, I, and I feel as though, especially down in Melbourne, you know, they can, he can have nothing to do with the media if he wants. I mean, even the Melbourne media would treat him all right. If they, if the Storm said to the Melbourne media, listen, you know what, he's sick of the Sydney media and he just doesn't want to talk to anyone. The Melbourne media would be like, oh yeah, we get that. We'll back him in that. So he could like not talk to the media until like April or something next year. <laughs> I would be surprised if he did that too. Mm. Um, now the last one was Jack Whiten and Joey Lua were being allowed by the Raiders to have a bit of a peek at the player market, but all the strong mail suggesting they're going to stay at the club. Yeah, Whiten would be an interesting signing for a number of teams. Um, I think he's well suited to the Raiders, though. Once again, I think that it's a situation where he's finally found his feet. He should sort of stick with it. As for Leilua, I think he might be one of those players that, um, you know, they were without him for a number of weeks, and I think they weren't all right. You know, he's a bit of an X factor, but I think they felt like we could do without him and maybe get someone for cheaper. Well, it's, I think it's more the fact that uh, Kotrick looks like he could probably fill in at centre now. He's, yeah. he's got a he's got a bit bigger, mm-hmm. and Bailey Simonson has come on as a as a damn good winger. Mm. Uh, they're probably sitting there going, "We could save ourselves a few bob here by just putting Kotrick at centre and Simonson on the wing." Yeah, and I, and I agree with them. You know, I I think that they'd probably be hoping that there was another club out there. Um, yeah, I think at this stage, though, if La, if Lailua was to leave Canberra, he'd probably have to go to the Warriors or England. I don't know if there's many clubs out there that are willing to pay the money that he'd probably command to be a yeah. centre. I mean, every club's got tons of centres. Yes, and centre at the moment in the NRL, it's not really a super standout position unless you've got someone that's like seriously top of the line. You can make do with not great centres. Yeah. Now, there are a few um, signings that have been made. Mm-hmm. These aren't rumours, so we might go through those quickly. So, okay. um, have there been any for the Broncos? I don't think so. Yeah, Looks like they've, they've lost Troy Dargan, a junior, to the Rabbitohs, another mm-hmm. one to the South. Uh, the Raiders have picked up George Williams, the the... The nose from Wigan. The snoz, yep. Uh, Look out, Canberra. The snoz is coming. Yeah. Um, They've released Brad Abbey, Atahingano, and Royce Hunt, so three depth players there. Mm. Uh, The Bulldogs. They've picked up Joe Stimson from the Storm, Siona Katoa from the Panthers, and Dean Brett from the Rabbitohs, and they've let go Reese Martin earlier in the season. Francis Tuolau, Danny Fuololo, Michael Leisha, Farmer Brown, and John Olive. Clearing the decks a bit there. Yeah, and I think they needed to. Um, yeah. I think the big I, change there is getting rid of Leisha and bringing in Katoa. Yeah, look, Katoa's a solid player. I think he's a fringe first grader, to be honest with you. Um, though his, his attack is mm. better than Leisha's. Leisha's a much better oh, defender. I would agree, yeah. And, and the thing about it is that, you know, I think a lot of these players that they've signed, they won't have got them on massive deals, massive money, and they're pretty good stopgap measures for if they they get somebody better comes along. Yeah. Um, 
At the moment, the Sharks have picked up Connor Tracy from the Rabbitohs, another uh, junior, and they've let Sasai Fecky go to Castleford. Kyle Flanagan's gone to the Roosters. Jaden Braley gone to the Knights, and Paul Gallon has finally retired. Yeah, now he's doing boxing. So that'll be really, really interesting for people that like celebrity boxing matches. Yeah, um, yeah he's, that, that's... He's, he's got a bout coming up soon where he's going to be belting around an old Barry Hall. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because, <laughs> you know, everyone's wanted to see Barry Hall fight in the last, what is it, 12 years or something that he's been sitting back. It's like an old radio. wrestling match where you had two heels fighting one another. You had you didn't know who to cheer for. Yeah, yeah, but they're like from the 80s. It's like <laughs> when you, it was like when you'd see uh, Hulk Hogan take on like Randy Savage. But it was, you know, you were watching them and it was the early 2000s and you were like, man, this would have been great 25 years ago. Exactly. You know, when they, gee, it's like, is that Jake the Snake's music? And it's like, oh, this is great. And then they walk out and you're like, oh, man, this is tough. Go back. Um, yeah. <laughs> after that year by the Titans, they've, they've put the brew through the place and found out that Will Matthews was the only one they needed to get rid of. He was always the problem. We always said that. Uh Watch them improve. How, they, about, how about Mal Meninga? He's he's come in to fix the club, and he's the only thing he's done. He's done is make the coaching situation an absolute farce. Yeah, and let Will Matthews go. Yeah. Um, and Justin Holbrook is a, well. There's been some flimsy rumours that Regan Grace and um, Thompson from the from St Helens. Mm-hmm may go to the Titans. I can't see either happening, to be honest. The thing is, though, right, St. Helens or the Gold Coast? Lock them in. I tell you what, the the last thing any NRL club needs is a Super League outside back. A British outside back? No. They are crap. There is one thing, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, between England and the Gold Coast. Yeah. And I go back to a game that was played by England against Burley Bears. Yes. And you may remember the the heatwave conditions that they played under. Scorching conditions. I think the English players may be a bit hesitant about going to some place that hot. There's that possibility. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do a a test here, right? After three, we're both going to say the thing that attracts players to the Gold Coast. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Cocaine. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I was, I was sort of drug strippers. I wasn't sure, but I were drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that went well. Yeah, um, that was great. <laughs> Manly have lost Appy Corris out of the Panthers. That's a good pickup for Penrith. Really good pickup, um, hey. Kane Elgie has decided he just doesn't care anymore, so he's retired, and Trent Hawkinson retired. Yep. Uh, so they're going to have a similar squad, you know. I can see what they're doing there. I mean, that this is the first year they're out of salary cap purgatory, isn't it? 
Yeah, so they've uh, they've got a little bit of cash to play with, but I, it looks like Hasler's realised he's got a fair bit of decent young talent there. Mm. He's going to give him another year to prove himself before he starts putting the broom through the joint, I think. Yeah, and they, might, they would also be able to use some of that money on the, the uh, Trebojevic's. So yeah. that that will probably come into play there as well. Exactly. Uh, the Storm have lost Joe Stimson, uh, Solomon Akata, who's going to the Brumbies, Will Chambers, who's going to Japanese Rugby Union, and young Billy Walters has been signed by the Tigers. Well, this is the end for the Melbourne Storm's reign. They won't be as good next year. Uh, is there anything else I'm supposed to say here that we've been saying over the last 10 years? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. God, they've got a good squad coming through, though. They really do. They just turn them out. It's incredible. One player they've got there, okay, I've got huge wraps on. It's Harry Grant. Mm-hmm. That kid looks like he could be the next best hooker in the game. Wow. Just complete package in attack. How would you line him up against uh, Brandon Smith? Um, I'd say Smith is a better defender. Grant yep. shits on him in attack. Whoa. Mm. Holy crap. He's got he's got a great step. Um, amazing awareness yeah. of when to run, when to pass, who and where to pass to. Just uh, a great short-kicking game. Yeah. Just, he, he looks the complete package in attack. Wow, that's exciting. Um, there's some, some footage of him on, I think, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he just, he can do everything. And he does it all from dummy half. Just, uh, he reads the game so well. It's exciting when you see a player that reads the game well, hey? Yeah, oh, it's, it really is. Uh, so, yeah, they look like they're going to have a damn good squad again. And they've just... Moved on a few, like Will Chambers would have been the most expensive one they had there. So that's just freed up a little bit of coin if they need it to upgrade a few contracts, that's, which is pretty much all they'll do. Yeah, and, and Chambers, I mean, he, he probably played half a season too long. It's a good time to move him on. I'd say he played nearly two seasons too long. I don't, yeah, I you think, reckon? Yeah, I don't think he was much good in 2018 either. Okay. I'd um, say I thought towards the end of this year, he went from being okay to a liability. Yeah, I, I've not, I've not seen the charm of the bloke as, as a football player in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he, they made the right decision to part ways with him. Now he'll go yeah. and make a shit ton of money over in Japan. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes. He'd be really interesting to talk to, I reckon, because he's had an interesting career. He has, yeah. Um, Newcastle, they've picked up Jaden Braley, mm-hmm. and they've let go Jesse Ramey and Jamie Bureau, Sean Kenny Dow, Slade Griffin, Zach Wolford, Nathan Ross, and James Gavay. That's a fair few players there. A bit of experience too. Yeah. Um, interesting time to do it with the new coach. Um. You know, he, this team is going to have his hallmarks all over it pretty early on, which is a good thing for him, I think. Um, the problem I have with them, though, is having just moved on that many players, and all of them, bar, bar Zach Wolford, mm-hmm. have been 
they've played a fair bit of first grade for the Knights in the last few years or last year as well. Yeah. Um, it's just more churn at the club in the roster, which just means another year of rebuilding and stuff like that. And there's yeah. got to come a point where the, the club just says, we need to just pick a squad, whatever we've got, and just say, you know what, for the next two years, we're not going to change it. Just try and get a bit of stability in the club. Yeah, I think they were in a good position. You know, in previous years they couldn't have done that because they didn't. They weren't good. They didn't have the talent on the field, and mm. it wouldn't matter how well they gelled, they just didn't have the talent. But I think now they've they're in that sort of position where they could have done that. Um, it is a worry that they're losing a lot of those players. I think that this year is the one where they're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to go to Kalen Ponga and make him the highest, maybe the highest paid player in the game if they want to keep him. Um, so that's going to be an interesting back and forth there. Mm, that's going to do- dominate this season and possibly even decimate it. Mm. I tell you what, that just before we leave Newcastle, um, one of the players we didn't mention in the rumours was Brody Croft. There was talk that he might go to the Brisbane Broncos. And he is partnering uh, Callan Ponga in the halves for the Junior Kangaroos team this week. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how they're getting on and how they work as a halves pairing. Because if they killed it in the halves, if you're Newcastle, and look, I know they've got Pierce, and I don't know how long he's got in his contract left, but if they kill it in the halves and they get on pretty well, that'd be interesting if Newcastle picked up Croft. Yeah. I think if they're going to take Croft, they have to move on Pierce, though. And Definitely. As much as a lot of people got a lot of criticism of Mitchell Pierce, I think he's actually been a one of the better signings Newcastle has made because he's actually given them someone with a bit of experience and a bit of nous at halfback. He's not the best halfback in the game. He's not even one of the top, you know, top few in the game. But fifteen. He's. <laughs> He has been better for them than what they had in the past. You've got to remember, they had Jared Mullen for a long time. Mm. Mitch, and I don't care what anyone says, Mitchell Pearce is a massive upgrade on Jared Mullen. Oh, 100%. 100%. And it's been proven. The, the results this year have shown it. He's been a, a pretty good leader for them on the field. Um, he got back into the Origin team. He finally broke that hoodoo with the no, never winning a series thing. Sure, he didn't play a big role in that, but it's just something off his back, you know. Uh, I think he's probably going to have a much better season next year. But I think, yeah, if they're going to pick up anyone to play in the halves, they need to find a new home for Mitchell Pearce, and I don't know if any club would take him on. Maybe the maybe the Titans would take him on. Do you imagine Mitchell Pearce on the Gold Coast? Yeah, <laughs> I could. <laughs> He'd love it. He would love it. Um, <clears throat> North Queensland. They've yes. picked up Reese Robson mm-hmm. um, and Ethan Masters mm-hmm. from the Tigers. I I don't know why the Cowboys love having semi decent centres for, but they just they just love they just love them. Um, and they've cleared the decks. They've lost Matt Scott and Scott Bolton, who have both retired. Jordan Kahu, Javid Bowen, Gideon Gillam-Mosby, Inari Tuala, Kurt Baptiste, and Carlin Anderson have all been released. That's a lot of back, back steps gone. 
Yeah, and they they needed to get rid of some of their backs. Their backs were very, very average, especially when you look at some of the forwards that they've got. Um, Yeah, they needed some sort of clean out. And I think this year, Paul Green is playing for his, uh, his contract there. And not so much about that he's a good coach or a bad coach. I just think that if he doesn't go well this season, it just might be time for him to move on. I agree. I think it's someone else who needs to think about that as well is Cohen Hess. Yeah. That kid has yeah. bootloads of potential, but his career has stagnated over the last two seasons. Well, he's and... on the Dane Carlo trajectory right now, isn't he? Like a couple of really yes. amazing seasons, and you're like, well, this dude's got it all, and then all of a sudden he's you know playing over in England or some crap. Yeah, I... I think the problem he's had is not entirely his fault either. I think mm-hmm. he should have been been pushed towards starting in the back row. And I think in his own mind, he thought that that's what would happen to him after Ethan Lowe left, mm-hmm. that that was the position that had freed up for him. Mm-hmm. And he still spent the season half, half starting in the back row, half on the bench, and then he spent a month playing in centres. Mm-hmm. He so, yeah. needs something solid, and I think he sh- if he had a started at the back row, it would have just given him a bit of confidence that you know you're now our number one bloke in the in the back row. We need you to prove it. Instead, he was just on and off, on and off, and it was just 2018 and 2017 all over again. And he's not getting for me. He's not getting enough respect from his coach, mm-hmm. or enough responsibility from his coach, I should say. And I think that's that's something he needs to have put on him. He's just say, we need this from you now, and I'm, I'm going to make you one of the leaders at the club now. I need this from you. And just see what he does, see how he responds to it, because I think that would be something that he'd respond well to. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I look at Hess, and I think, dude, you should be tearing it up. And when he doesn't go out there and just tears it up, it's like, you know, I understand some players do when they get that extra responsibility, it makes them as a player. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, you've, you've got to earn it as well. And I don't, I personally don't think Hess has earned it, especially when I see every single week, Talmalolo's getting between 150 to 250 metres. And, you know, Hess is doing nothing. Yeah, but I think, this is the thing. I think he's not being used properly. And I think if he was put in the field and said, right, every time you see Tom Alolo do a hit up, yeah, you have to do one. I want you to yeah. try and match him. I think yeah. if you give him little challenges and give him a bit of responsibility, I think he's the sort of player that would take it and run with it and go really well. But at the moment, all I'm seeing is he's being treated like he's still a rookie bench player. And yeah. I think he's been around too long now. He's played mm-hmm. Origin. And he's yeah. still being used as a bench player. I think the coach needs to say, we need to give him one season where he's just the first picked in the back row every week and say, Cohen, you need to earn your next contract. We're going to give you every opportunity to do it. Everything's on your shoulders. If he plays the same way this coming season as he did in 2019, you get rid of him, don't you? Yep. Yeah. So it's make or break for him at the Cowboys. Yeah, and I think he's something about something about him tells me that he's the sort of person who I think would rise to the occasion and take on that challenge. 
But well, hopefully he does. Find out. Like when yeah. he's at his best, it's scary. Yeah, I mean he scored what thirteen tries in twenty sixteen or fifteen or something like that. I mean, he was unstoppable that year. Mm. Absolute unstoppable, absolute freak on the edge. So yeah, um, Parramatta. They've picked up Regan Campbell Gillard from the Panthers. Yep, and the Panthers uh, are playing a big chunk of his salary too. I bet they are. Mm. Um, and they've let. Manu Ma'u, Tepai Moroa, Tim Manor, and Kaiser Pritchard all go. Manor and Pritchard have retired. Um, Moroa went to Rugby Union, New South yep. Wales Rugby Union. Oh, and with the way he was playing, I th- and it was interesting before it was all announced, because I've watched his career a bit, because he was very good as a youngster. Oh, yeah. And he's still a young, he's still a young dude. But he was good as a youngster, but he started getting better belted around a little bit and i think it physically was starting to take a big toll on him and this year i felt like he looked like a guy that he still had a little bit of spark there in him but he was about to get belted back to being a reserve grader so i think he made a good move i do too i think you and i think you'll do pretty well in rugby union um penrith have picked up appy corosau and and look at this list of players they've let go. James Maloney, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Sione Katoa, Frank Winterstein, Hammy Selly, Tyrrell Fuimiono, Tim Grant, Sam McKendry, Wade Egan, who Wade Egan was just, just I think it was a today or yesterday, was picked up by the Warriors. It's fine, they, Andrew. Everything's they, fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine? It's fine. How no, much? There's nothing to worry about. How much of those players' salaries are still being paid by the club next year? You're asking the wrong questions. Should <laughs> would I be in the in the ballpark if I said one point five million? It's got to be over a million, doesn't it? It has to be. Yeah. Like, and I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can justify that it as an NRL like... club. It seems like every second year, the Panthers have a clean-out. It does, and they clean-out players that are on long-term deals. Yes. And yes. so it's like, and look, I understand. Some of these players were signed by Phil Gould. Okay, I get that. And I can understand wanting to move players on and change the squad for how you want it and stuff. But sometimes you got you just got to chew that shit sandwich and I think that they they needed to chew some of these salaries and just get on with it and try and, you know, fix things around the edges. The thing that will help the Panthers out is that junior base will make everyone look like geniuses no matter what. Um, but, yeah, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of salary to be pouring into other clubs, and I don't like it. But, Got you know, it. what can you do? It's become what the Panthers do. Got a question for you as a Panthers fan. Yep. Who will be Penrith's captain next year? Do they persevere with Tamo? And the interesting thing here, okay, is I know I know you've had some strong comments about Tamo and I've agreed with them. Yeah. But I think he performed a bit better when he was made captain. Not saying he performed great, but I'm saying I think he performed better as captain. But it's not saying much, is it? Like he's performing like crap. But I Um, think I think he was 
deserving of a place in the 17, probably on the bench with the quality performance he was doing, which was better than what he'd done previously. I agree. I agree. And look, here's the thing. I don't know who you name captain if it's not him. Um, Because I have heard people say Cleary, and the problem with that that is, yeah, he's very young. He's still learning how to play as a halfback. He's going to have a different half next year, half partner, who is probably going to be the same age as him. And he's going to be regarded as the senior player out of the two, given you know he's played Origin, and he's and he's played a few years now in the for the Panthers in first grade. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like Cleary is our goal kicker, he's our our highest paid player, and I think he deserves to be quite honestly. Um, he's a, he's one of our best players without question. I mean, I don't put any blame for how we play on him at all. I think he's been great for us, and and a lot of times has been having to play behind a weakest piss forward pack. So none of I've got no problems with Clear. I'm very happy with what he's on. I'm very happy with the where he's at as a player. I don't want any extra pressure on him. I agree. Um, he's a he's a He's a good player. He's a good kid from all accounts. But the social media stuff was getting to him. Uh, and that he talked about that a few times during the, the season, which worried me a little bit because he's not the sort that's outspoken about certain things. Um, he sort of is just a put your head down and do the work sort of player. So for him to speak about it, it must have really been getting to him quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't want to give him the captaincy. You know, there's so much going on there with him and his dad being the coach and stuff. And I don't yeah. think it's anything real, but just the innuendo of it all, yeah. it, it's just noise. And I don't want to add the captaincy to that. Exactly. And besides, if the captaincy is making Tamo a first grader, then you may as well stick with it. Yeah. And I, look, eventually there'll be other players that step up and put their hand up to grab that role. Um and and whether he's got the C next to his name or not, clear is the dude that's going to be leading this team anyway. And I think everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, much the same way James Maloney. I mean, it didn't matter that he wasn't the captain. He was the one that was going up to the ref and having a yap at the ref every 20 seconds. So, um, yeah, I, I think just leave it with Tamo and see how that goes next year. Yep. Uh, Dragons, after that debacle of a season, the mm. only loss they needed to have was Paul McGregor, but they didn't. Um, <laughs> they've lost Gareth Woodup, um, Stephen Masters, Reese mm-hmm. Robson, and Jeremy Lattimore. Can I say on Stephen Masters, I called him in the lower grades. I don't know why he wasn't playing first grade for the Dragons. He was one of their best lower grade players. He's a first grader. It is ridiculous that he wasn't playing first grade. I, I, it pisses me off that he wasn't playing first grade. Yeah, well, they've got quite a few centres at the club. I suppose they just run out of time to try and get them all in. I don't. I just can't believe it. You know, I was yeah. watching play and he was doing some good stuff, and it's like, why wasn't he in first grade? Makes no also sense. Rem, also reminded me actually of one more rumour that we'd forgotten. That is, uh, Zach Lomax has been linked to the West Tigers as well. Zach Lomax. Mm, from the Dragons. Okay. That's interesting. Um, South. Mm-hmm. They've picked up 
Bryson Goobin from Warrington is coming back. He's back. Um, I know some South fans will be so happy about that. Yeah. They literally celebrated when he left, eh? <laughs> uh, they've got Stephen Masters from the Dragons mm-hmm. and Troy Dargan from the Broncos, and they've lost. Is this for a list? George Burgess, Dean Britt, John Sutton, Greg Inglis, Connor Tracy, Billy Britton, Jacob Gagan, Maween Hiroti, and Kyle Turner. Wow. That's a fair list, eh? There's a few there. I mean, George Burgess, John Sutton, Greg Inglis. How much money did they free up there? I still have this feeling Greg Inglis could play rugby league next year, not for Souths, but someone. Yeah, I think I don't think he'd do it in the NRL though. No, no, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he turned up in Super League mid-season. Would you know, he? Given there's this talk of a, a club being set up in New York, would they chase him? Can you imagine what he would do in the English lower grades? It would be brutal. It would be. It'd be like, um, and he'd be playing at fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. It would be like when you you'd play footy at lunchtime, like it, when you were New Seven and you play against Year Elevens, and there'd be like this unwritten word that they weren't allowed to absolutely annihilate you. They'd have to say to Greg Inglis, "Listen, don't, don't do it." Every so often, he just does like some ridiculous half-paced eighty-meter try, where he's throwing people around. That'd be so cool. I hope that happens. I want that to happen so bad. <laughs> it would be pretty good watching. What if he just goes to Toulouse? Yeah, I'd like to see any of that happen. Yeah, yeah. I, even if he, I would say to him, "Listen, Greg, go go to France." You just go there, you can eat all that nice French food, you know. They don't worry too much about training. And just go over there and just brutalise a bunch of palms every second week over in bloody, you know, Dewsbury and York and all them beautiful places. Doncaster. Doncaster. (laughs) Swinton. Um, The Roosters have picked up Kyle Flanagan from the Sharks and lost Cooper Cronk. Poor Roosters. That's going to have freed up a fair bit of cash, though, let's be honest. Well. Like, there's no way they've picked up Flanagan for 200 grand a year. And if they have, that's probably the most they're going to be paying him. Whereas Kronk was probably on a million. So that's a bit of money they've freed up. It is. I, you know, I wonder. I wonder how the salary structure works. I wonder if some of these clubs, right, work on a salary structure. And I don't know how this would happen, but where you can have a good squad for, say, three or four seasons, or maybe not even four, but three seasons, but then you have to have some downtime as well where you have to release players and let players go and things like that um, because of the way you've structured contracts, whether you've back-ended them or front-loaded them or whatever. Yeah, look, I think, though, the smart clubs, and this is pretty much Melbourne and the Broncos under Wayne Bennett, Mm. and we're starting to see a bit of it now with Trent Robinson here at the Roosters. The smart clubs are able to find a good junior to come along just at the right time to replace the player who's about to retire. Yeah. 
right, we look at the Roosters, okay, they've got Jake Friend, who will probably be retiring in a few years' time, mm-hmm. and they've got Sam Verrills and um, Victor Radley, mm-hmm. who can just take over at hooker at any time, and they'll be there for 10 years easy. Yeah, yeah, they, and, they line it up. It's like they yeah. say, look, we, we need somebody to replace X, Y, Z, and they get that player, and they 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 time it well as well. That's right, and this is what the really good clubs do, and they they do it mostly with spine players because a lot of the other players you can patch up anywhere you want and anywhere else in the field pretty much mm. as you go. But getting that good rotation with spine players and making sure that the the new player you got coming through has got just enough experience, and they're not quite at their peak yet, mm-hmm. so you get a you know several good years out of them, and they're they're all they're ready to go as they come into the role full time. Mm-hmm. Um, Warriors. They've picked up Wade Egan, and there's what pick up. Yeah, they've let go of Liggy Sow, Tavita Sate, and Isaac Luke. Um, also not listed on there too is um, Blake Ashford has retired as well. He's a massive loss. Um, man, they could have got rid of everyone except RTS. <laughs> Yeah, boy, they've got so, some. They've got some work to do with that squad. They really do. Um, they need a coach. They should have been looking for a replacement for Blake Green. Um, if I was them, I'd also would have moved on Beal and Hiku. Just, just to start with, yeah. um, get some forwards in there who bust the asses. They need some toilers in there. Yeah, they need some players that can play 80 minutes and don't give up. And the terrible thing is, RTS, every single week, played his ass off. Yeah. And behind a beaten team, he was just physically head and shoulders above everyone else, was doing things that he had no right to do every single week. And the 12 blokes ahead of him were bludgers. And the biggest problem of all they've got there is their coach. And mm-hmm. I think if the Warriors do not make it into the top eight next year, Kearney has to be on the way, our way out. Has to be. They cannot have another year of being this ordinary. The they've got an that... entire country to choose from. Yeah. Oh, and one of the better weird. countries to choose from as well. Yeah. I, it's not like they're choosing from Wales. <laughs> So this is right. The uh, the thing is though with Kearney, if they're going into the new season thinking we're going to give him a couple of months to or six weeks or whatever it is, that's stupid. Sack him now. Yeah. Um. Finally, the West Tigers. They've lost Robbie Farris retired, Mahe Fanua, Robbie Rocco, and Ethan Masters, and they've picked up Billy Walters. Um. They've got a lot of money sitting in, sitting on the bench in Reggie's that they need to clear. Uh, Josh Reynolds, Russell Packer, Elijah Taylor, um, Ben Madalino, Chris McQueen. It's and then you throw in Moses and Bye on, you know, reportedly a million bucks, and you look at the fact that their their sole hooker, Jacob Little, is another player who's just 
besieged with injuries, and he's going to miss most of the first half of next year as well. And their only other backup hooker is Billy Walters, who they've just signed from the Storm, who's, I think, played, what, three or four games? It's, it's, not, not, looking, it's not looking great. No, nah, their ninth place is under, under siege for next year, yeah. Um, are, I mean, are they in the worst position? At, like, this stage, you, at this stage, if they can't, they, they genuinely need a nine, and they should have gone after Isaac Luke because they only need a hooker for this year. But even and, if Wade Egan is available, like, true, why, why weren't they on the phone to Panthers saying, listen, tell Wade to go I, down the fucking, I you know, think, the M4? <laughs> I think. I think the the Panthers may be screening calls that comes from the West Tigers after Maybe. Justin Potato's drama over the whole Ivan Cleary's drama. That's a good point. Yeah, That's I, a good point. I, I don't think there's Christmas cards being exchanged between those two clubs. No. We should Just, send some of our followers Christmas cards, hey? That's a good idea. Yeah. That would like require us getting... My, my handwriting shit, hey? Hey, hey. I'm I'm an author, which means my handwriting is automatically crap. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I know the the last thing I was using handwriting for because everything's on computers these days. I was signing some of your books in a Dimix. Say, so I went in there and said, "Yeah, that's me, Andrew Ferguson." That's fine. So long as the A kind of looks like an A, the rest is a scribble. <laughs> well, I looked at my signature when I was about twenty-two or something a couple of months ago, yeah. and. You can see most of the letters in my name. Like, I was writing slowly. Now it's yeah. just a, an A with a squiggle with a bit of a spike in it and then just this weird squiggle, which is pretending to be an F. Let's be honest. It's just pretending. You know, when, just when more squiggle with a down line and that's it. Outside of my driver's license or anything along those lines that's kind of like, you know, bank stuff or official stuff, if there is anything else that, like, you know, you need to do your signature to pick up a parcel or something. They don't get my signature. They just get whatever I do. Yeah. See, as a parent, you have to start writing stuff for your child's school stuff. And when I, whenever I write using, you know, a pen, yeah, uh, it's all block letters. Oh, really? It's the only, it's the only decipherable language that I can that I can write. It's interesting. <laughs> Do you reckon so one it. day we'll all go back to writing like calligraphy style? No chance in hell. You don't think so? But think about it, all right? Because how often do you really have to write stuff down, okay? And then... I, have, I was going to say, I have a theory that the only people who could possibly do calligraphy yeah. are left-handed people. Left-handed. Every every left-handed person who I've seen write yeah. has lovely handwriting. But oh, my, really? My old man, his his handwriting is very very neat. Um, yeah. as a left-handed, he's a mechanic engineer. I mean, he's had his hands crushed in every bloody thing that could be possibly crushed in. Fingers broken, fingers burnt. Mm-hmm. He's done every type of mutilation to his hands possibly could in the workplace, and yet his handwriting is still pristine. Far out, eh? Yeah, I just think left-handed. I don't know. Every, I've known a few left-handers. Every time I've seen their handwriting, it just it looks lovely. It's like they can, lefties can be good opening batsmen, they are good at basketball, and they can write well, you reckon? Yeah. 
Okay. There you go. Pays to be lefty. Yeah. We've just picked up a whole heap of fans. Left-handed yeah, all, fans. All the left-handed people, yeah. you know. And who... It's, it's a big turnaround because people used to say they had no soul. Yeah. Well, they, you know, back in the back in the old days. Mm, like, the good like, old days. Like like back before my time. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you were caught writing left-handed at school, the teacher would just come along and either slap the ruler or the cane on the back of your hand. Mm. Stop writing by the devil. Use your right hand. I wonder how long that happened, though. How long it went on for, though. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to ask Israel Folau. <laughs> <laughs> was that on his list? Left-handed, Left-handed people? people? I'm sure it was, hey. Got to be in there. Maybe, yeah. that's what, maybe that's what adulterers was. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's it? There was idolizers. I yeah, never heard that word until yeah. that moment. Maybe that's what left-handed people are. Yeah. <laughs> now... We haven't gone on for a bit here. Yep, that's fine. Do, do the we people wanna, love us. Do we want to have one quick, say, 10-minute chat about the Bradford Bulls? Yeah, let's have okay. a talk about them. Away you go. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm not very cute, clued up on this. It's all a bit of a mess. Okay, so, look, I'm not 100% keyed up on it either. I kind of... There was a lot of stuff going on with the Bradford Bulls, and I'm just pulling up their website because there's they've put, every 36 minutes they're putting out um, press releases by whoever is in charge at the time, which is really weird because there's been like about you know the the current this and current that is, is like putting out a thing. At one point they were a press release was put out by somebody who was never. It never actually owned the club, which was kind of weird, and it was put on the Bradford website. Anyway, so yesterday, I believe it was our yesterday, the Bradford Bulls were bought by the former head of the Rugby Football League, right? I'm trying mm-hmm. to find his name here. What's his name? Uh Man, his name's not here. Anyway, they were bought by the former head of the Rugby Football League. Now, that former head of the Rugby Football League had sorted out a deal a number of years ago with Bradford's Stadium. Now, you and me tried to work out, did they own the land? Did they own the lease on the stadium? And it was very, very hard to find what the actual deal was. So we couldn't really work that out. But there is some deal between the... The um, the the rugby football league and the council and some sort of ownership aspect of the stadium. So anyway, the club was owned by a, one group of people, and I'm not going to use their names because you never know what was going on there. One group of people, another group of people was going to come in and buy the club that fell through, and so the former head of the rugby football league has come in and he's he's bought the club and he owns, I think it's. of it, and the other 24.9% is owned by the bloke that basically owns the Dewsbury Rams. And then Eric Perez, who owns the Toronto Wolfpack and is trying to set up a club in Ottawa in Canada, is going to be the interim chairman of the Bulls. And 
it's a bloody weird situation. It's almost uh, I, like you need a flowchart to try and understand who's doing what. You, you really, you really do. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Bradford fans that I've seen, and I follow a few Bradford fans on um, Twitter. They don't like this. They're like, man, this is weird. This is too weird. Um, it doesn't seem right in many ways. My guess is, and this is just a pure guess, I haven't got any information on this. I actually haven't asked what's going on with the Bulls. No one answered, but anyway. Um, my guess is that there was some sort of, that whatever the deal is with, between the Rugby Football League and the local council, it was imperative that the current edition of the, or the current uh, Bradford Bulls organization exists. And if that organization ceases to exist, then something falls through with the stadium deal that they've got. And they just couldn't find a new buyer. And and so I think that this is like, you know, when you, when you get to a point where you, you just can't find a buyer, you just buy it yourself if you've got the cash. Um, and this and is something guess... that was reported in the news. The news in the last few weeks is that, um, despite having gone to administration a number of times in the last ten years, mm. Bradford still had a seven hundred and fifty thousand pound, or in a, you know, in the ballpark of that debt. How do you yeah. have a seven hundred and fifty thousand debt? You're playing in championship. And you've been bought out several times, which I assume was to fix up a lot of those debt issues, and yet the debt keeps following the club. Yeah, it makes you wonder about <clears throat> what's been happening there. Um, it's Nigel Wood, by the way, who bought the club. I knew I'd get his name eventually. Um, it makes you wonder what's been going on at the club. I uh, I was always worried about how things were going to go for the Bradford Bulls. Um, I think it's good that they've got a new owner. I understand that it's not in the greatest looking of circumstances, but I think that this is an interim situation where uh, it was either this or the club ceased to exist. And there were a lot of people that said, look, as a Bradford Bulls fan, this is effectively, I feel as though my club has died and I'm out at this point. And I understand that. They've really struggled for a number of years, um, Bradford Bulls fans, seeing how the club's been run. Um, I think this is maybe a step in the right direction. I don't know where this is going to lead to. I hope that they can find a new buyer for the club and and it would be interesting to see if Nigel Wood um, would sell the club quickly if he felt he had the right buyer for it but it's a it's a very very strange situation and it's not a good sign for english rugby league when a club that is a city in northern england has one of its former i mean one of its greatest super league era clubs is in this sort of situation and it should be it should signal alarm bells for every single club in, in Super League. And I'm talking about St. Helens, Wigan, Leeds, Hull FC, all of these clubs. They should look at this situation and worry that this is... It doesn't take many bad seasons to end up in this situation. And 
you know, I remember once saying that the Bradford Bulls were the canary in the coal mine for rugby league in the UK. And to see where they are right now is horrifying, quite honestly. Um, I hope that they can get the club back on its feet and get it back into Super League because that's where the Bradford Bulls should be. But, yeah, it's it's really upsetting to see what's happened. It is. Um, I was going to say earlier, too, that the amount of ownership that's going on there, mm-hmm. um, especially over the recent times, it reminded me of a quote from um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail mm-hmm. where uh, Dennis says to... Uh, oh, I forgot the name of the, the king. King Arthur. Mm-hmm. He talks about the commune where they live, and he called it an anarcho-syndicalist commune where everyone gets to be gets to be the leader for a week. <laughs> it feels like that's what they're doing at Bradford. Everyone in Bradford gets to be leader of the club for a week. Everyone gets a go. It's interesting that they brought in Eric Perez. Um, it's you know, and he said that he has the opportunity to take on this role because his role as the head of the Ottawa club that he's going to run it basically doesn't kick in for a while. So he'll have this spare time to do this job. Um, They must really like the way that he's been running the Wolfpack. And it's easy to see why. I mean, you see what he's done in Toronto. I mean, at the, you know, fingers crossed and touch wood. At this stage, Toronto is probably looking to overtake, I would say the Melbourne Storm as maybe the greatest true expansion club that we've had in rugby league in the last, 40 years, 50 years. Like, I would have said it was Brisbane, and then Melbourne, I believe, has taken them over. And then I I, I think the Wolfpack, what they've done there is incredible. And so I think that they've brought him in and they've, they've basically said to him, look, can you sort this out for us, please? It's going to um, be a hard job, though, running two, two teams in two different countries. It is, yeah. It, it really is. And that's why they must be. That's why I'm saying they must be just absolutely astounded by what this guy can do. Yeah, well, hopefully he's got a big can, job ahead of him. Absolutely. Hopefully, he can do something to to save the Bulls and and keep them going. Um, yeah, I suppose that wraps up a another massive episode of Fergo and the Freak. Yeah. Do we yeah. want to talk about the test matches at all? Um, just you. I mean. Yeah, let's have a quick talk about it. We might as well. We've talked about everything else. All right. We'll make this an epic episode. Yeah. yeah I think Australia will win. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> no. Now, actually, something that's, something interesting that's happened is the Tongan team. Yes. Uh, will be referred to as Tonga Invitational. But the See, International I, Rugby League has said that they are going to declare the match still officially as a test match for both nations. Okay. Okay, yeah, because I saw that earlier today, and I was—I I thought it was the common sense thing to do. Um, I think it's just paperwork, you know. I think I mean, the common sense thing here, okay, is if we're yeah. if we're honest, yeah. If we were to say, okay, let's have a look at the Tonga Invitational side, and then ask the Tongan NRL if you had to pick your strongest side, who would be in it? If you mm-hmm. take all the politics out of it, mm-hmm. and I dare say you would find absolutely zero difference between the two teams. Exactly. Therefore. Therefore, they should just say, let's not worry about calling them Tonga Invitational. Let's just just call them Tonga and be done with it. And I feel like the only reason they're not calling them Tonga is probably just a, a uh, 
you know, to appease the Tongan rugby league. Hey, it's to it's to appease the Tongan rugby league. Yeah, and and it's weird. I know it's a weird situation. They're, apparently, they're just going to dissolve the Tongan rugby league. Is my understanding? Could be wrong on that, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a strange situation, but you know. It, it wouldn't be rugby league if some weird stuff wasn't happening, hey? Well, that's true. The other one that's happening is um, Australian, an Australian... Well, it was initially called the Junior Kangaroos. Yeah. And this is, this is interesting, okay? The Junior Kangaroos started up several years ago, and that was an under-19s team. And then when the NYC competition was in, they went, okay, we'll just bump up to under-20s. Fair enough, makes sense. Yeah. And then a few weeks ago... When France decided they wanted to play, you know, an international game over here, the NRLs decided that, or the ARLCs decided they'll give them the Junior Kangaroos, but they'll bump the age up to twenty three, mm. which was odd. But it meant that they could pick pretty much an NRL quality side. Um, now I see they're not going to be called the Junior Kangaroos; they're going to be called Australia A. Yeah, and look, they they do. I'm pretty sure the USA basketball team had a thing uh, not too long ago where they picked players that were under the age, I feel like it was 24. Um, And I don't mind that. I think that it's a good idea for Australia. And I'm talking about it from a purely purely selfish point of view in that I think it's a great way to see which younger players, but that they're still solid first graders and a, a part of the state of origin system and all that, you get to see how they go international level. You get to build your international squad up. You know, now Australia, between these two teams, they've got a lot of players that they're getting international experience to, which is really great. I would love to see this Australia A team, as they're now calling it, I'd love to see them called the Emus. I think that would be fantastic. Um I kind of I don't know why France isn't playing a game against the full Australian team though. Well, this I, is this is what I want to get at is I'm I'm fine with this team playing a game of footy. I'd prefer they were just called the Prime Minister's Thirteen because we've already got one. Okay. Just may as well stick with that. Why have Australia A or Junior Kangaroos? Why change all this stuff around? It's just meaningless confusion. Yeah. You've got an Australian Prime Minister's Thirteen team. You can tweak that however the hell you want and have them play, and they'd be fine. Um. But yeah, France is here. They clearly want to play an international. Mm. We barely play them anymore. How many times do you reckon we've played against France in an official test match since the last kangaroo, the last full kangaroo tour in 1994? Oh, man. I would hope it's five times, at least. It's less than that. It's four. Wow. Played them in 2004, 2005, 2009, and 2017. And I'm pretty sure they were either four nations, tri-nations, or... or No, sorry, it wouldn't be tri-nations. Four nations or World Cups is the only time we've played them since 94. Yeah, see, this is why I would have a World Cup every three years, because then you'd be able to play more games against teams like France. The fact that France is over here is a super encouraging sign for me, because it means that they're branching out and they needed to do that really, really badly. Um, and I think that we should have given them a game with our full test team. We'd probably smash them pretty handily. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if this Australia A team 
put a decent score up. They'll, they'll probably put 40 or 50 on them. Yeah, but, but the, the thing same... is, we need to be giving France a bit of respect and playing our full mm. test side against them. Exactly. Not this Mickey exactly. Mouse stuff. I, well, I agree 100% with you. Um, they deserve our best. They deserve yeah. the spotlight. Exactly. It's crazy that in the last 25 years, we've played France the same number of times that Australia played France in 1964 alone. It's ridiculous, really, isn't it? Um, the only way that I could see that you could look at this as a good thing if is if you say to France, look, we're going to put together this team and say it's an under-23s team or a 23-and-under team, and we're going to play you three times a year. So it, say next year they had a three-test series against – or not tests because they're not test matches, but they had a three-game series against this team just to give them reps. You know, that would be really good for France and French Rugby League. Yeah. Um, the only but, thing I've got against that is I wouldn't be saying you're going to be playing our under-23s team. I'd be calling it the Prime Minister's 13 because if you're saying – we're going to put a team out there. It's going to be a bunch of kids, and they're going to lap you. It's it's hardly motivating to the French team who are putting their best side out there. But if you make it the Prime Minister's 13, it sounds like the genuine second string test side. It doesn't sound like that big a step down from the actual test side. Can I ask you, what do you reckon sounds better, calling them the PM's 13 or calling them the Australian emus? PM's 13. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's all right. I, I don't mind the emus thing, but I, I'm I'm more of a stickler for what's been done in the past. Okay, yeah, yeah. And look, the emus, they were a different thing to what this is. You know, th- this isn't what the emus were. The emus were the test players mixed in with guys that were on the fringe of being in that test squad and who might have forced their way into the test squad for the weekend match, you know. Um, you know, the, the only it's encouraging France are here. It's great that they want to play any game they can get. And I, if France are looking at this as a way of saying, look, we've been in the same position now for about twenty or thirty years. We need to do something different. Just give us games again against a quality Australian team of some sort, because we need to. Even if we're getting beaten by your 23 and under team, we need to find out where we've got to be better and we need that constant competition. And if that's where they're going for, I'm happy for this to happen. Absolutely. Um, I've just found out too that the Australian Emus already exist as a sporting team. Who are they? It's the under-19s basketball team for the men. Oh, but yeah, but... (laughs) I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, you know, you just go to the, the the fucking office and you say, look, we've been calling our team the EMUs back in the bloody 80s. You know, that 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 would be easy. What else could you call them? PMs 13, um, kangaroos. What's something that's smaller than a kangaroo, not as big or as powerful, maybe a little bit more cuddly looking, maybe softer? Um, Ringtail possums. Yeah, possums. Or, or maybe the, possums. the quals. <laughs> the quals. I want the quals. I want a rugby league team called the quals. They are the most adorable animal in the whole world. 
and they've got a they they look a bit mean too. But when they when they open their mouth up and have a bit of a make a bit of a noise, they look like they'd be a really cool sort of animal that like like it's super cute, almost like Groot out of Guardians of the Galaxy when it was baby Groot. Like that is super cute, but it'll fuck you up. Some of them look a bit like my cat. <laughs> no, your cat. No, your cat is a bloody a tiger. You bought yourself a tiger or a leopard, and you keep calling it a cat. I wish you'd stop. I think what's happened, okay, is it, the, the 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 cat has gone a bit. It's it, it's up the ante with its play fighting. It does recently. I think it's heard a bit of the um, cat eating talk I've been going on with. Oh, really? And I think it's trying to tell me that, you know, you're not eating me, you bastard. And it's trying to eat me instead. We've got we this, got... you know, who's going to eat who first competition going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, my money's on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like got millions of years of evolution behind that sucker. The problem the cat has is it can't open the cans of cat food. Ah, uh, there you go. It needs to keep you alive. So it needs me for its own survival. You know what? All it all it's really doing though is weighing up. Do I let him easily open the cat food, or do I smother him and eat him when he's dead? It wouldn't smother me. It'd just nah. go go for me with those sharp claws, just for the jugular. Yeah. So somebody suggested that we do a whole episode on animals that we'd eat. Maybe we should do a top. 10 animals that we'd like to try eating. <laughs> There's an idea for an episode. Yeah, yeah. We've got some good ideas in this off-season. That sounds like a good idea for for an interview that we've got coming up. Really? Yeah. Who with? One this weekend. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's do that. I'd, I'd chuck that in there. I reckon that would be a great conversation there. 100%. I'll have to um, inform that person. Of the, and we also had another really good idea the other night, and I'm not going to spoil it whatsoever, <laughs> but it was bloody hilarious, and it'll be a lot of fun. That needs a bit of work, but yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, well, this has been the probably our longest episode ever, actually. Yeah, it probably is, hey? So, um, um, good chat. Thanks for enduring us, everybody. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, drop us an email at podcast at uh, leaguefreak.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at FergoFreakPod. Uh, what else can they do? Check us out uh, on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, go on Go on to uh, Apple Podcasts and go and find Fergo and the Freak, and you scroll down at the bottom. You rate us five stars, and then you leave a reply. Uh, not a reply, a review. And write a really nice review, and we will read out the nice reviews that you leave on the podcast. Um, we really love them reviews, and it, that, all of that helps us with getting uh, ourselves in the lists and things like that. So if you could do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, go to I'm making a new website, nrlrumors.com. Um I'm making a, a Fergo and the Freak website as well. So that should be up and running in the next couple of weeks. So I'll let everyone know when that's uh, started up. But I'm going to get started on that over the weekend. So, yeah, what else is there? Um, Leaguefreak.com, rugbyleagueproject.org. Yeah, Rugby League, yeah, project. I was actually on your website earlier today. 
getting a little bit of information, hey? Ah. Yeah. I just, I basically went and I copied and pasted the whole website. All of it? it everything. I just copied and pasted it because there's not much. It's like, What, what, you know, what did you paste it into? Like, was it I a pa- Word doc or a spreadsheet or just notepad? Just, yeah, notepad, like .txt. How many, uh, I wonder how many characters you, you found out of all of that. Is, was there was, a number big enough? It said like, I th- I'm pretty sure the number was 47. A 47. 47, yeah. It was good. No, I actually went there because uh, I was trying to find the all-time try scoring, basically the tr- greatest try scorers of all time. I wanted to, to get some of those, and I had the, the um, British ones. And I looked online for the Australian ones, and the, the, it was a mess everywhere except for Rugby League Project. So that's why Rugby League Project is my go-to website, because it's just the best. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I had a little catch. I got a little catchphrase where it was made made by the fans for the fans. That's not what you said the other night. You said that the catchphrase was, we're better than everyone else. Well, we don't really have any competition. <laughs> How many other websites out there are doing what we are? Yeah, that's true. And seriously, that, that, I think that, it... that, 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 that wasn't really a catchphrase. That was just a, a basic statement, <laughs> statement of fact. What would the leaguefreak.com catchphrase be? Better than you. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that would actually work. Yeah. I used to change my uh, banner on my website, hey, to say all sorts of weird shit, and then I just got bored with it because I, I, I think I changed something. Um, oh, I was when when everyone – this tells you how old my site is – when every, all of the stuff had to be changed to HD pictures. And <laughs> so, yeah, that's how old my site is. So I had to change all of my – like every single picture on the site had to be upgraded to high definition. And the last thing was the banners that were at the top of my website. And I made one of them and I was like, I'm sick to death of doing this. That'll do. So that's why it's got the, it's basically, it says now with new bells and whistles. It's because that banner has been there for like 10 years or something now. Okay. So they're actually old bells and whistles now. They re- they don't even have bells and whistles anymore. Um, they got rid of them, except for the referees. They use whistles, but that's it. No more bells. What was the last uh, time you heard a bell ringing? Uh, whenever I take my daughter to a shop and they've got a little bell out the front, she dings the hell out of that thing, and you oh, can really? see the shopkeepers looking at her going, she's very cute, and you can see inside the head they're saying, make her stop. <laughs> and they can see on my face that I'm going, she's found a toy, she's happy, she ain't stopping. <laughs> I'll stand here all day and let her ding that, and it will not infuriate me one iota because she's happy. Yeah, that's your version and, of silence. And you will not stop her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm six foot three. <laughs> well, I'm not, not quite that tall, but I am six foot. I oh, see. I thought you were the same height as I was, six foot three. No, no, I'm, I'm a short ass compared to you. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Um, I was just going to say, too, I hope everyone's been liking the uh, the history content we've been pumping out in the last week and a half. Yeah. We the, a lot of great feedback sorry, on the Tony Collins piece. 
Yeah, and the one, the last one we did about 1909, the, like, the numbers have been fantastic for that. Um, and you did, I mean, you really did such a good, good, like, a massive load of work for that. Um, so, yeah, you, sh- you should be really proud of that episode because that is really an incredible story that um, I know I hadn't really heard it in that format before. And to see the way you brought it all together was fantastic. So that that was great. And there's much, much more to come. Mm, that's what she said. And on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, hope you've got a long drive because it's going to take you a while to listen to this one. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, tune in for our next episode in about three or four hours' time. And until then, catch us all later. Go away. <laughs>